How do we find real masculinity with Jesus hanging on a cross? The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for April is titled Man Up, The Quest for Masculinity. It's written by regular guest Pastor Jeff Hemmer. You can find out more at issuesetc.org or call Concordia Publishing House 1-800-325-3040. Men in all stages of life will appreciate Man Up. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month, Man Up, 1-800-325-3040. We don't treat religion like a subject that we think influences the news and what influences what happens in the world. The God of Islam wants us to die for him. Jesus died for us. A conscience that's bound to anything other than God's word is enslaved to idolatry. When we do our own thing as a congregation, ignoring history, ignoring the divine liturgy's history and so forth, we have in a sense become an island unto itself. Topics you can really sink your teeth into. That's why Iowa dentists love issues, etc. I think we are safe in assuming that Joel Osteen is about as close to a household word as you can get next to something like Donald Trump. In Christian circles in the United States and worldwide, Joel Osteen is a big deal. In America, he is, well... In terms of the numbers, he's just the biggest deal there is. He has the largest megachurch in the United States down there in Houston, Texas. It's not just there. It's worldwide via his broadcasts, and it is also worldwide via his many, many best-selling books. He's actually only written one book. He's just written it six or seven times over again and sold it six or seven times over again retitled it six or seven times over again. He's known for his reticence to talk about sin, his encouraging demeanor, his almost invincible glee and happiness, and as probably the most popular word faith teacher, even though you won't hear him use those words, the most popular word faith teacher in all of the United States. He surpassed all of his predecessors, Benny Hinn, all of those who have come before him, he has truly grasped the brass ring. But in his case, it's 14 karat gold or probably platinum and made quite a name for himself. And riding along is his wife, Victoria, who apparently, if I'm not mistaken, on Easter Sunday at Lakewood Church there in Houston, Texas, and in front of the TV cameras, took to the pulpit. He's let his mom have the pulpit before, and I know he's let Victoria preach before, but Easter Sunday, his wife preaching, who I don't think is listed as one of the pastors of Lakewood. Welcome back to Issues Etc. Coming to you live from the studios of Lutheran Public Radio in Collinsville, Illinois. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. We're going to be talking about a recent Easter sermon preached by Victoria Osteen during this week in Pop American Christianity on this Friday afternoon with Pastor Chris Rose Bro, you can join us one eight seven seven 
877-623-6943-877-623-MIIE. Send us an email, talkback at issuesetc.org, a tweet at issuesetc, and the issues etc. comment line 618-223-8382. We're going to hear what Victoria Osteen does when she gets into the pulpit at Lakewood on an Easter Sunday morning. Pastor Chris Rosebro joins us. He's pastor of Consfinger Lutheran Church in Oslo, Minnesota, and host of a daily internet talk show called Fighting for the Faith. Chris, welcome back. Thanks for having me back, Todd. So how common is it in pop American Christianity, not just the big super churches like Osteen's, but all those Osteen wannabes out there, how common is it for the pastor to uh, relinquish, hand over the pulpit to his wife? This is becoming a growing trend, and it's alarming. The best way I can put it, it's absolutely alarming. Now, In Joel Osteen's case, you'll note that uh, when he tells the story of how he became the pastor of Lakewood, he readily admits he hasn't been to seminary, he thought he wasn't qualified, but God has miraculously blessed him in his his ministry. But uh, in most churches, uh, you know, men go to seminary and they do what Scripture says, to study and show themselves approved as a workman who need not blush with embarrassment, but who can rightly divide the word of truth. This is, you know, the qualifications for the pastoral office. And there's still many evangelicals today who have at least been to Bible college or to seminary, but when they get into an evangelical church, it's literally culturally becoming an expectation that not only will he preach, but that his wife will preach also. And, and this, is, this is just so backwards if you think about it. I mean, the, the amount of study that is necessary to become a pastor, to be skilled and to sh- demonstrate that you are qualified to actually hold the pastoral office and dispense its duties faithfully, is, it's, it's ginormous if you think about it. It requires a study of the biblical languages, a study of hermeneutics, pastoral theology, I mean, different books of the Bible. I mean, it, it goes on and on and on and on, and oftentimes includes a vicarage and things of this sort. And it's akin to, I would say, properly training a pastor is akin to what it's like to actually uh, make a medical doctor. It's, it's kind of that level of skill and specialized training. But I don't know anybody that when they're not feeling well and they go to visit their doctor, you know, and make an appointment, that it would be okay with them if their doctor decided to just go ahead and let his wife, you know, uh, conduct the examination and and determine what was, you know, ailing you. No one would tolerate that. Yet, in evangelicalism, that's the equivalent of what we're having now with wives who literally are not qualified to be pastors, are biblically forbidden to be pastors, are biblically forbidden to preach. Now, in much of evangelicalism, it's expected that the pastor's wife from time to time will actually give a sermon. It's it's odd, because uh, I've observed it as well. It's been going on now probably for, well, kind of in, in the lunatic fringe of pop American Christianity forever, uh, but in more mainstream pop American Christianity for at least two decades. And as you say, I think you're right, it's becoming an expectation rather than just kind of an occasional thing. But I get the impression that kind of the justification for this is this guy is our vision casting leader, and golly, he's married to the woman. He sleeps in the same bed with this woman. They eat from the same dishes. You know, they, they live in the same house. Some of it must have rubbed off on her. You know, it's funny you put it that way, because the, uh, in evangelicalism, they talk about pastors having an anointing. 
And an anointing is something that can rub off or influence somebody within close proximity. And so the I, I, the, I think this kind of goes with this idea that, well, our pastor's anointed and his wife and him, you know, they share the same roof. Uh, you know, they live under the same ha- you know, roof. So you know, some of his anointing has got to be rubbing off on her. So that's, uh, you're right. That's, I think you just have to put in the word anointing. And now you start to have the, the creating of a, of a mythological doctrine to help explain the justification for the biblically forbidden. But, but Easter Sunday, even at Lakewood, Easter Sunday is, what do they usually refer to it? Like the Super Bowl of, of Sundays. For, for Joel to ask Victoria to preach on Easter Sunday, that's, that's a big deal. Uh, Yeah, it is. And if you're familiar with uh, how things operate at Lakewood, then you'll know this, that uh, Victoria preaches every Sunday. They have two sermons now, and this has been going on for more than a year. And so it's it's as if she's like the warm-up show. She's the warm-up sermon for Joel's sermon that actually goes on air. And uh, if you were to go back and listen to his Easter sermon, he's not really preaching on the Easter text because what he's really doing is recording uh, an episode of his television program. So at Lakewood, it was Victoria who actually gave the only real Easter message you know, uh, that was themed for that particular Sunday. So... She literally is the one who delivered the Easter sermon. But let's make this quite clear. Or do you know if she, is she then now listed as a pastor of some kind there at Lakewood? I have heard her referred to as a pastor. I have not seen it in writing. But as far as we know, Joel has a degree in television production. I think that's was yes. his previous capacity under his father, John Osteen, at Lakewood. Um, so no formal training for the pastoral office at all, and she not even a degree in television production. That's, <laughs> I would say that's correct, and based upon what we're going to hear, I'm pretty much uh, convinced she's not actually qualified to teach Sunday school to preschoolers. I mean, that's how far away from sound exegesis we're going to get in this sermon of hers. Okay, we're going to hear some uh, some pieces of it, but before we do that, set the context here for those who don't know what Lakewood is, they've never seen the picture of this truly massive, and I've been there on a Sunday morning, and at least in terms of its scale, it is an awe-inspiring kind of physical experience to walk into this church. It's <laughs> Lakewood Church, literally, the venue is the former stadium for the Houston Rockets. Um, so it is an NBA coliseum, if you would. And they pack this place out. And the people at Lakewood will be the first to tell you that Lakewood Church is the largest single venue church in the United States of America. And that's hands down absolutely the truth. There is no larger uh, you know, uh, building t- that has that the ability to ca- handle that capacity of a crowd on you know any given Sunday, and they have multiple services every Sunday. Then Lakewood, 
So, I mean, to say that this is ginormous, I mean, literally, I mean, the only thing bigger than this would be an NFL stadium. And if they continue to grow, I could just see that, you know, maybe they would, you know, if they can find some derelict uh, NFL stadium, if the, if the, you know, Houston Texans decide to move, I think Lakewood could probably easily move in. So what should we be listening for in this first bite from non-pastor Victoria Osteen preaching at Lakewood on Sunday morning. All right. So she doesn't, in the entire sermon, actually ever read out a biblical text as it relates to Jesus' resurrection on Easter Sunday. No, not at all. She's retelling the story, and she's going to be engaging in a, in a kind of a an eisegetical move. Eisegesis means to read something into the text by psycholog- basically psychologizing the story and then allegorizing a particular prop. That's the only way I can describe it. Uh, in the in the account of Jesus's resurrection, and that's where she's going to like a laser focus her message on is on this prop, if you would, uh, in the Easter account itself. One day after the Sabbath, she woke up early in the morning. The Bible says the sun had just come up, and she and that band of women they gathered spices. They wanted to anoint Jesus' body one last time. They were on their way to the tomb. I can imagine it was still misty in the air. There was still dew on the grass. They had all their stuff. They knew their assignment. They knew what their heart was beating for. And they were on their way. But on that path to the tomb, they remembered something. They remembered the large stone that sealed the entrance of that tomb. And they began talking among themselves about that big obstacle. They begin thinking, how in the world are we going to move that stone? The Bible says in Mark 16, 4, they said among themselves, who will help us roll away the stone? You see, that stone represented a block to them. As long as that stone was there, they couldn't enter the tomb and anoint the body of Jesus. That stone was too big for them to move themselves. Have you ever felt that way before? Has something ever blocked your life? Maybe you've heard your own self saying, who's gonna help me move this thing? Have you ever had a block in your life? Maybe you wanted to start a new business, but you kept hitting obstacles, draining your resources. Maybe you had a stone of an unwanted divorce, a stone of a bad medical report, stone of fear, stone of debt. See, those stones, they're real. They come in different shapes and different sizes. Maybe the stone you're, not face, you're facing today is not as big as the one at the tomb. Maybe it is. But can I tell you, it's a, it's a stone that wants to block you. It's real. They come in different shapes. They come in different sizes. But you know what the purpose is? The purpose is to stop us. The purpose is to trap us, thinking that we'll never overcome that stone. It's too big. The challenge is too hard. We might as well quit now. Now, it's remarkable, Chris. I want you to kind of talk, walk us through what she did there with this concept of an obstacle or a stone. But she's not really doing anything that a thousand, and I'm not exaggerating, a thousand other pop American preachers are doing with texts every Sunday morning, is she? 
No, she's doing exactly what they do every Sunday. But what happens is on Easter Sunday, it becomes much easier for somebody to spot it. And the reason being is because when we read this text on our own, or these passages on the eyewitness accounts of Christ's bodily resurrection from the grave, we know that the headline, if this were to be occurring today, and in, in Fox News and CNN were to run with this headline, the headline would read, the rabbi from Nazareth walks out of the tomb on the third day, and everybody would be talking about Jesus's resurrection. And we we know this, because that's really what's going on here. But she isn't preaching or teaching that at all. She's kind of ignoring the main headline, the main story, and, and she's kind of picking through the scene, if you would, and she's identified a stone. And she's now allegorizing the text. She's psychologized the narrative. And what she's doing now is spiritualizing this stone in order to basically turn this account into kind of like the um, the Resurrection Day equivalent of Aesop's fables. And the moral of the story is, but that's not what this is, that's not what's going on in this text at all. These are eyewitness accounts of the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave. And this is ginormous news. I mean, death has been the undefeated heavyweight champion of the world since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, and Jesus conquered it. And she isn't focusing in on the main headline, the main story, the main the, the main thrust of this account. She's, well, she's more interested in, you know, spiritualizing this. And in so doing, she's looking absurd. And the reason why is because you'll note that she said that these stones, she's allegorized the, the stone in front of the tomb, says that these stones are real in your life and they want to block you. And and you know, last time I checked, the great enemy in Scripture is the devil, Satan himself. But now, apparently, I, ne I need to be looking behind my back because there's rocks everywhere that they they have a will and they want to stop me from achieving what it is that God would have me do. I mean, this is like absurd. I mean, I last time I checked, stones didn't have a will. They're not capable of saying, oh, I, that's it, Roseboro. I'm going to take you down. And so when we go on a walk on a nature trail, we, we really don't worry about, you know, the stones thinking evil of us and wanting to kill us and things like that or block us from enjoying a nature hike. But, I mean, when you start to just apply a little bit of you know, critical thinking to what she's doing, you realize this is absurd. But your point originally was, this happens every single Sunday. Yes, it does. And tens of thousands of evangelical pastors do this Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. But on Easter Sunday, you can begin to see where the seam is on this facade and realize, whoa, wait a second, there's something wrong with approaching this, the scriptures in this way altogether. Pastor Chris Rosebro is our guest. It's This Week in Pop American Christianity on this Friday, April the 21st. We're listening to some excerpts of an Easter sermon preached by Victoria Osteen at Lakewood Church in Houston, Texas. 
turning the resurrection account into a story about the obstacles in your life. We'll be right back. At Concordia University, Irvine, you can pursue advanced theological study for academic, professional, or personal development. Concordia's Master of Arts in Theology program is grounded in the truth of Scripture and insights from the Lutheran Confessions. Courses are taught online and at intensive on-campus sessions in the summer. Apologetics, Christian education leadership, and Reformation studies are just a few of the emphases offered. For more information, visit cui.edu slash theology. LCMS Rural and Small Town Mission exists to support and encourage congregations in rural and small town settings. In partnership with LCMS districts, RSTM is uniquely positioned to make a major impact in revitalization support, community engagement and outreach training, congregational partnership development, and worker support through providing and developing resources geared specifically to rural and small town congregations, Check us out at lcms.org front slash RSTM or give us a call at our office. We're here to help. It's not about you. It's about Jesus for you. You're listening to Issues Etc. College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois offers ACT, SAT, and PSAT test prep, scholarship application classes, college and career counseling, and more. Hi, this is Lori Konsky, president of College Preparation Station. We have helped our students obtain more than $7 million in tuition scholarships in 12 years. Find out more at cpsprep.com. Let us help you create a vision and find your future. The College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois, cpsprep.com. Tired of mommy bloggers telling you Lent is about simplifying your life? Totally over the History Channel speculating on whether or not Jesus' skin was olive or white? Check out the April The Lutheran Witness. We're talking Lent, Easter, and Jesus, who hangs on a cross for you, lies in a tomb for you, and is risen and returning all for you. Visit cph.org slash try Lutheran Witness for a special offer of six issues for $6.99. The Lutheran Witness, interpreting the contemporary world from a Lutheran perspective. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Pastor Chris Rosebro is our guest. He's host of a daily internet talk show called Fighting for the Faith. It's This Week in Pop American Christianity, talking about an Easter sermon preached by Victoria Osteen. Before we hear uh, some more of the sermon here, Chris, I think it's important to note what you said before the break, and that is on any given Sunday, the average person who has kind of been numbed by this kind of misinterpretation of Scripture, isn't going to notice it. It's just going to be what pastors do when they get up and talk about what the Bible has to say. They kind of give a perfunctory explanation of the original text or restating it in their own words, and then they immediately jump to, well, this means that in your life, X, Y, Z. It's the immediate application to you, and it has to be there. But you said that when it's Easter Sunday— it's easier, even for people who've been numbed by this, to spot. Why is that so important? The reason why is because the resurrection itself is at the heart of the gospel. And the gospel message 
you know, as Paul summarizes his own uh, preaching and the gospel that he gave in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, the gospel is the good news that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scripture, and that he died and rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures. And so Jesus' death and resurrection is intricately linked with his suffering and death for us on the cross. He rose for us, and it's part of the good news. And as as far off as evangelicals are, they know that, that that's the case regarding the resurrection. And so as a result of it, when you, when you don't actually preach about what Christ has done for us in dying and rising again, it starts to stick out like a sore thumb. And many pastors, as a result of this, they feel obligated to actually kind of give an attaboy to Jesus and at least verbally make mention of, well, for sure this has something to do with what Christ did to save us. And so they give it a nod before they jump off into making the text all about them and allegorizing it. Um, but Victoria didn't do that in her uh, Easter sermon at all. I mean, there was like, I mean, I, there was like not even the obligatory nod uh, <laughs> that this has something to do with propitiating the wrath of God, the forgiveness of sins, or anything like that. And so as a result of it, I mean, you just hang it out there on its own, and a lot of people, even in the audience shots, kind of had their arms crossed and looked a little bit confused and befuddled by some of the things that she was saying. And when they got to the tomb, the Bible says that they looked up, and they were so surprised. The stone had been rolled away. The stone was not blocking the tomb anymore. The obstacle that was trying to defeat them had been rolled away. Think about that just a minute. What they were worried about, what was there, is now gone. Mary walked into the tomb and saw the angel, and the angel declared to her, are you looking for Jesus? He's not here. He's risen. He's risen. You see, the problem that she was facing that day was met with a promise, the promise of the resurrection. As soon as the angel told her, he's not here, he's risen, the Bible says that she was reminded of the promises of Jesus. He said, I'll rise again. He said, the temple will be built back in three days. See, when she heard it, she remembered the promise. Sometimes when you're walking through a difficult situation and there's obstacles in your path, it's hard to remember those resurrection promises. But can I tell you today, stones are meant to stop you. Sometimes there are stones in reality that you cannot move on your own. They are impossible. They're out of your control. But can I tell you today that Jesus is alive and he's still rolling away the stones? He's still moving stones in your life. It was Easter Sunday and Mary didn't even know it. I hope this is Easter Sunday. Makes you take a look at those blocks in your life, those stones, those things that are trying to weigh you down, cause fear and anxiety. Those things that would like to stop you 
from fulfilling your destiny. I hope you look at those stones differently. And next time you run into one of those things, I hope you look at it and you say, he has risen. Okay, this is a mess, Chris. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I'm struck by something she said there. She said of Mary, something to the effect of her problem that morning was met with the promise. And it was, I got the strong impression that she thought the problem was the stone. Yeah, no, that in the context of the whole sermon, that's exactly right. And uh, the, the problem that apparently the women faced was the stone, which is not the problem. The problem that they faced was a dead savior, uh, a dead Jesus. That's what they thought the problem was, the fact that they would actually have to go and anoint Jesus's body and uh, because it was hastily prepared on Good Friday for burial, and, and they wanted to you know, get in there and make sure everything had been done right. They weren't thinking really, oh, man, oh, the stone, man, uh, we're never going to get in there. Oh, this is the biggest problem ever. No, that was like the that was like the smallest problem because I mean, if you think about it, how difficult would it be to say, "Hey, uh, you over there, could you help us for a second? We're women, and you look like a strong man. Would, would you move that stone for us?" I mean, this is just a matter of strategy and planning. But you'll notice that Victoria literally magnifies the stone to the point where. The stone represents the thing that's trying to block you from achieving your destiny. <laughs> it's like, that's quite a powerful stone. I mean, is it made out of kryptonite? I mean, I mean, this is the kind of thing, if Superman were to see this stone, I mean, he'd immediately lose all of his superpowers and would become a mere mortal. I mean, that's really how she's kind of magnifying the story, and it's absurd on its face. I mean, just go back and read the accounts. I mean, it's just kind of, if you would, it's a thought in their mind, oh, we got to figure out how to move the stone. But that's not their problem that they're facing. And uh, it, it, you're right. It's, it's just a complete and utter mess. Pastor Chris Rosebro is our guest. We're listening to some excerpts from an Easter sermon preached by Victoria Osteen at Lakewood Church in Houston, Texas. It's This Week in Pop American Christianity. We'll hear another excerpt and get Chris's reaction on the other side of the break. I'm Todd Wilkin. Stay tuned. Metro East Lutheran High School in Edwardsville, Illinois, engages young adults in a Christ-centered environment, delivering academic excellence and spiritual growth to develop Christian leaders for tomorrow. We provide a Christ-focused alternative to public high schools. Many of our students receive tuition assistance. To help us provide tuition assistance to more students, go to melhs.org and click on the giving page, or call me, Dr. J. Krause, Principal, at 618-656-0043. No gimmicks, no shticks, just straightforward preaching and teaching in accord with Scripture and the Lutheran confessions. Buy the book Liturgy right from the hymnal. No glitz, just Christ crucified for sinners like us. We're Grace Lutheran Church in Racine, Wisconsin. Come receive God's gifts with us. Find out more about us at GraceLutheranRacine, that's all one word, dot net. 
And like you, we're proud supporters of Issues Etc. Emily finally had to face the truth. Her church choir was a mess. Katie Schuerman from her new audiobook, House of Living Stones. Sure, they'd managed to turn out a few decent choral offerings for Sunday worship every now and then, but their confidence and morale were presently hanging lower than pants on a wrapper. You can purchase and download an audio version of the novel House of Living Stones at Amazon, Audible, and iTunes. House of Living Stones by Katie Schuerman. Many Lutheran pastors outside of the U.S. receive little or no seminary education. Luther Academy provides theological triage through conferences, books, and journals. Help support Luther Academy by making a tax-deductible donation at lutheracademy.com or call 260-452-2211. Serving Lutheran pastors to the ends of the earth. Luther Academy, 260-452-2211 or lutheracademy.com. A voice in the wilderness of American evangelicalism. You're listening to Issues Etc. Faith in American Christianity is most often seen as an act of will. It's a desire, it's an attitude, it's a habit. Pastor Todd Peppercorn on his presentation at this summer's Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference, making the case for a Lutheran view of depression. But what happens when you have a mental illness? Whether we're talking about depression bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, or any number of mental illnesses, all of these mess with your brain, your ability to interact with the outside world. How does God work in that kind of circumstance? You can meet and hear Pastor Todd Peppercorn June 9th and 10th at the Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference in Collinsville, Illinois. For more information, just look for the Making the Case logo at issuesetc.org or call 618-223-8385. It's This Week in Pop American Christianity here on Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Pastor Chris Rosebro is our guest, pastor of Consfinger Lutheran Church in Oslo, Minnesota, and host of the daily internet talk show, Cold Fighting for the Faith. We are delighted to have Chris speak for the fifth consecutive year at the Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference. Chris is going to be making the case against modern-day prophets and apostles. You can find out the rest of the speaking lineup and register at issuesetc.org or call 618-223-8385. Don't wait to register. Our summer conference has been sold out for the last two years. The Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference, Friday, June the 9th and Saturday, June the 10th in Collinsville. Illinois. Chris, what's the final example here you've brought from Victoria Osteen's Easter sermon? All right. She's going to now wrap up her message, and she's literally going to turn this entire message into law, something that you've got to do. So rather than you know, Christ's resurrection being a gospel proclamation of good news of what Christ has done for us and all the implications that go with Jesus' resurrection from the grave, she is now going to basically make, make it clear that it's our job to appropriate whatever these vacuous resurrection promises are when we face stones in our lives that are trying to keep us from our destiny. If you are facing the stone of discouragement today, I want to remind you that he heals the brokenhearted, he binds up their wounds. 
If you're looking at the stone of fear today, I want to remind you what the promises says. It says that I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Do you know with every stone, there's a promise? Just like that day that Mary walked to that tomb, that problem was resolved by the promise of the resurrection. Know today, whatever you're facing, there's a promise to help you overcome. There's a promise to strengthen you. He still heals, he still delivers, and he still sets free today by the power of the resurrection. But it's up to us to remember the power of the resurrection and the promises that he made to us and attach the promise to it. A friend of mine the other day was working on a project and she was so excited about the end result. She said to me, Victoria, I want to send you the before and after picture of my project. I said, I'd love to see it. She sent it to me. I opened the attachment and up came the before picture. It didn't look too good. I went to find the after picture and it wasn't there. I emailed her back and said, hey, where's the after picture? She emailed me back and she said, oh my goodness, I forgot to attach it. She sent it to me and I opened it up. It was magnificent. Can I tell you today, you may have a before picture, but if you will attach the promises of God, you will open up a picture of the after and it will be magnificent because he's alive and he's risen. You see, that day that Mary walked to the tomb, history was changed. Her life was changed forever and so was ours. He's risen and he's still moving stones today. Amen. Amen. All right, Chris, what what do you have to say about this? Because someone's going to say, well, she did Proclaim that Christ is risen from the dead. She's not do- denying the resurrection like like you could hear in more liberal churches, something like that. What's your response? The issue is again, it's a it's a matter of emphasis. See, the miracle was that Jesus, because of his resurrection promises, moved the stone. That was the big thing that was accomplished on that day. And see, the big promise that she gave regarding the risen Savior is that he's moving stones today. And you'll notice that she says it's up to us to appropriate these resurrection promises so that Jesus can move stones in our life. That's a total... At this point, it really doesn't... Well, the best way I could put it is, is, yeah, sure, he rose from the grave. She's not denying that. But the problem is, is that her theology is preventing her from recognizing where the real emphasis of the story is. And she's turning a prop into a, a, a good news proclamation when the moving of the stone was not even at all associated with any promise regarding the resurrection and if you uh, <laughs> read the other accounts, it was an angel who moved the stone, not Jesus. Just saying, you know. So, I mean, she's not even rightly telling the story as it's laid out according to the eyewitnesses. And as a result of it, what, what are we not hearing? The proclamation of Christ and him crucified for our sins. 
his bodily resurrection from the grave as one of the things that it demonstrates is that his sacrifice for our sins was accepted by God, that the Lord of life couldn't be held by death. And, you know, Paul then takes in Ephesians 1, the last half of the first chapter, and really explicates how Christ being raised from the dead, that same power that raised Christ also raises us, because we as Christians are no longer dead in trespasses and sins. We've been regenerated in the waters of baptism, and, you know, with the washing of water in the Word, and we've gone from death to life. And this is all important stuff, because Jesus is resurrection now then points to the hope that we have on the last day that when he returns when he makes all things new that he's going to raise us from the grave because he's the first fruits of those who have come from the grave we are going to be raised from the grave and be like him and live forever new heavens new earth new resurrection bodies no sin world without end i mean the the real resurrection promises are so much better than jesus is going to move stones out of your life i mean i had a kidney stone once i'm glad it moved but that has nothing to do with resurrection promises. And what Victoria did shows that she's utterly clueless about what Scripture is really about and actually who Scripture is really about and what the real gospel is and the real promises that we have because of Christ's death and resurrection. It's, it's really utterly tragic. This is an example of the blind leading the blind and applaud and the, and the and the blind listening to the blind person preaching applauding utter nonsense as if they're hearing from God when in reality they're not hearing from him at all. Chris, before we let you go, what can you tell us about tonight's fighting for the faith? We're going to be uh, taking a listen to uh, Brian Houston's Easter sermon that he uh, pre-recorded uh, in front of the Colosseum in Rome and note that he engages in some of the same really weird twisting of Scripture that Victoria Osteen engaged in that we just heard. You can listen to Chris Rosebro and Fighting for the Faith in about 15 minutes after the live broadcast of Issues Etc. at piratechristian.com, piratechristian.com. Pastor Chris Rosebro is pastor of Consfinger Lutheran Church in Oslo, Minnesota, and host of the daily internet talk show called Fighting for the Faith. Chris, thank you very much for being our guest. Thank you, Todd. On the other side of the break, Joy Pullman of The Federalist joins us. We're going to get her reaction to a recent column in The Atlantic against school choice. She says, education is a market, whether liberals like it or not. Stay tuned. Memoria Press invites all Issues Etc. listeners to explore our Simply Classical curriculum, a set of full-year academic curriculum packages for children with learning challenges. Our classical writing program and our Christian studies are now based on your favorite CPH Bible storybooks. To learn more, visit classicalspecialneeds.com and use promo code LPR to save on your initial purchase. That's classicalspecialneeds.com. Throughout the 50 days of Easter, sacred music for the world. LutheranPublicRadio.org.
Listen 24-7 to sacred music for the Easter season. LPR, LutheranPublicRadio.org. Christ-centered, cross-focused, you're listening to Issues Etc. I think every man, every Christian should consider, at least, the possibility of God calling him into the holy ministry. Issues Etc. regular guest, Dr. Carl Fakencher of Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Because that's the way that God has designed for faith in Christ Jesus to be spread, for the gift of eternal life that Christ Jesus earned by his death and resurrection to be shared with people by the washing of baptism for infants and for adults, for the instruction, the proclamation of the word that happens uh, on a nonstop basis in God's kingdom. God uses people, he uses men to be those proclaimers, to be those men who who share the, the sacraments. If you've ever considered becoming a pastor, contact Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Their phone number, 1-800-481-2155, 1-800-481-2155, or visit ctsfw.edu.